So it's great to be together this morning. What a great time of worship. It's great to gather together to worship God. God's here by his spirit. As we open his word, we are expecting him to speak to us today. Are you expecting God to speak to you today? God speaks through his word. His word is living and active and has something to say to us wherever we are, whatever our situation. God speaks today. And so we're uh, picking up the next in our series. We've just started a new series called The Way to Life. We're looking at Jesus uh, talking on the Sermon on, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. The last couple of weeks we've looked at what's called the Beatitudes, the beginning part of Matthew chapter 5. And now we're going to read a passage from Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 through to verse 16. The words will come up behind me on the screen. And uh, you can follow as I read. So this is what Jesus says next. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It's a really powerful passage. And over the last two weeks, we've been considering the secrets of life, the qualities that mark followers of Jesus Christ. And in this passage that we've just read, Jesus describes the difference that we should make in the world around us. And uh, there's a quote here from Cyprian, who was the third century Bishop of Carthage. This is what he said. Listen to what he said. If I could ascend some high mountain and look over the wide lands, you know very well what I should see. Brigands, pirates on the high roads, pirates on the seas, in the amphitheaters, men murdered to please applauding crowds, selfishness and cruelty, misery and despair under all roofs. It is a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But in the midst of it, I have found a quiet and a holy people who have learned a great secret. They're despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are the masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians and I am one of them. He was saying, there is a people in this dark world that are there and are making a difference. Jesus' challenge for us this morning is that he wants us to be a people who make a difference for him. And he uses two metaphors, he uses two things to make his point. And what he says is this, is that Christians ought to have the same impact in the world we live in today as salt and light did in Jesus' day. 
Now, as I was thinking of uh, how do I make the point, at home we have this. It's a light bulb salt cellar. I tell you, it's perfect for putting salt on your dinner. It's not so hot in terms of getting light in a room. Um, but it's a, 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 an interesting little thing that we found when we were uh, down in Dartmouth some years ago. And it reminds me that I am to be salt and light. Reminds me of what Jesus says. You see, what we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks is that this impact, this difference that we're to make in the world around us for Christ as followers of Jesus comes from who we are, not just because of what we do. It's why over the last couple of weeks, Jesus, before anything else, focuses on us being honest with God. Being, recognizing that we are spiritually bankrupt before God without help. Why Jesus focuses on us being heartbroken over us in mourning over the state of our hearts and knowing that we need mercy from heaven. It's why Jesus focuses on us being humble recognizing that we need help. We can't do it on our own. We can't change our own hearts. We can't change our own destiny. Why Jesus focuses on us being hungry and thirsty and being those who seek after help from God, the God who can change a heart. Why Jesus focuses on us being people who are merciful because we have received great mercy. Being a people who are pure because God has changed us on the inside. And so now we work from the inside out. We are people who can make a difference in the world around us. A world full of conflict. A dark, dark world, as Cyprian said centuries ago. If we live out of who we are, we will make a difference. You see, Jesus is here uh, drawing a distinction between two communities. He uses the word you or your, he uses it five times in the passage. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. But he also draws out another group. He he says this, he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. There's a you and there's a, there there's two groups. And this second group, this, this, this other group that he's talking about are related to the earth and the world and this world's way of doing things. And Jesus says there's, there's two groups that stand in contradistinction, stand in distinction with one another. But there's a connection between the two. They're distinct, but there's a connection between them. Essentially, Jesus is saying, he's saying, you, you are different, but you are in this world. Jesus hasn't called us to be a a group of people who isolate us from the world. And it's a bad world, so we're going to hide away and we're going to draw away to be a community by ourselves. Jesus is saying we're to be a, a people that interface and interact and are part of the world around us. We are in the world, but not of it. Over the centuries, Christians and the church, many have 
have taken the view that we're to withdraw out, we're not to be tainted and influenced by the world, and they've made a grave mistake. They've turned Jesus' teaching on its head, and they've drawn away into communities that shut the world out. Jesus never intended that to be the case. Jesus said to his Father, in John chapter 17, verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus wants us to be in this world making a difference for him. We're here for a purpose. The Apostle Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter 2, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. We're a people who belong to God. We are to be distinct, a holy people, a different people. Yet, we are to proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have a purpose. We, God has a, something for us to do as his people. To represent him to a dark and needy world. Can we make a difference? Will Jesus' qualities of honesty, humility, hungering after right, what's, uh, what's right, being merciful, will purity really impact the world around us? Can we really make a difference by being people who live like that? Jesus gives an, a categoric yes. If you, if you are people who are changed from the inside out, you will make a difference. You see, living Christ-like lives provokes a response. Some will hate us, but some will be drawn. Jesus promises us opposition and fruitfulness in equal measure. And against this backdrop, Jesus uses salt and light as examples to press his point home. In the world that Jesus lived in, both were valuable commodities and had hugely positive impacts. The Roman writer Pliny said this, nothing is more useful than salt and sunshine. Nothing is more useful than salt and sunshine. In the, in the Jesus day, these were hugely important things. And likewise, if we water down the qualities that Jesus calls us to exhibit, those inequalities of change that God works in our hearts, we give our lives to Christ. If we water them down, we are of no more use than salt that's lost its flavor. It's no good for anything than creating footpaths, for being trampled on. We're like a light that's covered over. It's no point. Lights that are covered over, what's the point of a light that's covered over? Serves no purpose at all. Jesus' challenge This morning is for us to be salt and light. And there are four things that I want to draw up. The first thing is, and the first two are related to salt. The first thing that Jesus wants us to be, he wants us to be a people who add flavor. We're to be a people who add flavor. See, salt is distinctive. Now, many years ago, I was about 16, 17, I had a Saturday job, and I worked in Morriston in North Swansea, and uh, I worked, as, worked in Curry's. I got a Saturday job in Curry's, where electrical uh, 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 goods, 
selling TVs, that sort of thing. And um, uh, I, I was, you're going to see, I was a little bit of a handful. And so I'm, I'm working there having good fun. There's a guy who runs uh, the store, front of store. His name's Jim. Uh, Jim would have been uh, uh, well into his 30s. And uh, so I'm the uh, office, I'm the runaround. So they send me off, make some tea and coffees. Jim says, I want a, a cup of coffee, uh, two sugars. So I go downstairs, I'm making a cup of coffee. So I had this great idea. You got it. You're ahead of the game. Two salts. He got two spoonsful of salt in his coffee, stirred it in. I take it back up. He's dealing with a customer. As he's dealing with a customer, he takes a big swig of his coffee, and then he spits it all back into his cup. I thought it was hilarious. He didn't find it quite so funny. He did get his own back later. It was um, not a pleasant moment. But I... <laughs> salt, salt is distinctive. It has a flavor. It, it flavors things. He, he wasn't expecting salt in his coffee. It made a, a difference. It wasn't a nice difference that day. But in Jesus' day, salt was essential. People traded in it. You know, we lose, as if we're in a hot climate and, and the weather's hot, we lose water and we lose salt. We perspire. And we need to replace them. In a hot climate, they needed to replace salt that they were losing. It was a prerequisite. It was important for health and well-being, just as water was. But more than that, salt added flavor to a bland diet. In Job, it says, it's tasteless food eaten without salt. I always put salt on food before I've ever tasted it. When I go to other people, it's a little bit embarrassing when I go to other people's houses and there's no salt cellar on the table because without ever tasting it, I'm, I'm thinking in my head straight away is, there's no salt. So I say, have you, um, uh, have you got any salt? And they, I can see them looking, they think, they're thinking, you haven't tasted the food yet. Haven't tasted it. And I, it's just that I always, and Jonathan does the same. I know Jonathan does the same. Maybe it's a quality of elders that's not sort of. Um, I put salt, so I'm always putting salt on it. I always put salt. So, so what does this mean for us about being flavored? I think the first thing I want to say is that salt is a compound of. Of, of two elements, sodium and chlorine. Chlorine by itself, as a kid growing up, you go to the swimming baths, chlorine gets right up your nose. It's not a pleasant, it gets right up your nose, it's not a pleasant, on its own, it does, it's not great, it's not a, oh, chlorine, oh, that stink of chlorine. Together, when, when sodium and chlorine get together, it creates salt and it has impact. Here's, here's the first thing I want you to get. If we're going to have impact, the first thing is we're not going to do it by ourselves. We'll just get up people's noses. We need to be connected to Christ. 
When we're connected to Christ, the impact of Jesus, we receive from him his qualities and he starts to change us and suddenly we don't stop getting up people's noses. We have good news. We have something to share. We have an impact to make. But you won't do it without being connected to Christ. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, let me tell you, it is the best thing that you will ever do. He will change you from the inside out. You will be a different person. There are people here today who months ago were different people. They have now encountered Jesus Christ and they have. God has changed them from the inside out. You see, if we're going to make a lasting impact on our neighbors, families, colleagues, friends, we won't do it by ourselves. We'll do it when we're connected to Jesus Christ. You see, all his qualities become ours. The Bible says that we are co-heirs with Christ. He dwells in our hearts, we're told, by faith in Ephesians chapter 3. His word dwells in us richly. That's what it says in Colossians chapter 3. Ephesians 5 encourages us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we receive Christ and Christ changes us, we add flavor. We make a difference because we're connected to him. So how do we bring flavor to our home life, our workplace, schoolyard, the classroom, the school gate? We do it through all sorts of ways. We do it through our attitude, being positive in the way we think. Because what happens is Jesus starts to change the way uh, we start to think. It says this in Philippians. Paul says to the Philippians, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We add flavor through what we say and the way we say it. We're to be people full of thankfulness, full of encouragement, full of kindness. Paul says our conversation should be seasoned with salt. The salt of the gospel. The difference that Jesus has made. And when we're like that, when we're somewhere and we're amongst others, people like being around us because we change the atmosphere by being positive. We've got something positive to say. When we walk in and we're like vinegar, <laughs> honestly, I mean that's sometimes the impact that we leave. Oh, miserable. Actually, there is no day, if we are in Christ, there is no day when we don't have something to say thank you for. There isn't a situation that we can't change the atmosphere in because God has done so much for us. We should be people, when we see people who are putting a shift in doing something, we should be those who come and say, I just want to say thank you. When was the last time you thanked someone in a supermarket when they're under pressure, serving behind the tills, someone stacking tins, someone emptying bins? We can change that. We should be people who make a difference in the way we speak. We should be salty people. People should like being around. Animals, what do animals do? They lick. If you notice, they lick your hands and your, 
because they're licking the salt off. There's something that's, that's attractive. We should be those sort of people. There's another purpose of salt in the, in the Bible. In the Old Testament, salt denoted friendship. They talked about a covenant of salt. It was a symbol of unbreakable alliances and enduring friendships. We're to be salty like that. Does our words mean something? When we say it, people should expect us to keep our word. They keep their word. Are we a people who keep our word? Do we keep our word even when others don't? Relationships should mean something. Paul says that we should make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We should be those who make every effort, every effort, not a little effort, every effort. We should permeate society, we should permeate the communities that we mix with by getting involved. The pungency of our faith should rub off on others. In everything, we should be better. We should be better than the world around us. Because we have Christ within us. We should make a difference in our attitudes, in our thoughts, in the way we speak. We should be better in the quality of our work and the effort we put in. In the way we build relationship and we honor friendships. In our generosity. Someone once said this, in 10,000 ways, in 10,000 places, God's people can be salt in society. It's the first thing, add flavor. The second, and perhaps more importantly, is that we prevent decay. Newton's second law of thermodynamics, one of the few things I actually remember from physics in school, I didn't understand much about it. it was, most of it went straight over my head. It didn't have to go very high because I was quite short. <laughs> and most of the time I had my head in my hands like that at the back of the class, so a lot of it went over my head. But I do remember the second law of thermodynamics. Everything tends towards decay. Everything tends towards decay. Everything gets worse. Everything breaks down. Some years ago, I remember reading someone talking about propounding what was called the long boom theory. Basically, he was saying that the future is only going to get better and better and better. And it's going to be fueled by wealth and economic expansion, technology, the internet. It was clearly nonsense. Clear nonsense. But this idea that things are just going to get better and better, that humanity is on this upwards trend... They talked about the First World War as being the war to end all wars. Well, that didn't last long, did it? This world is messed up and it's decaying. Jesus says this world isn't getting better. It's not going to a zenith to its heights. It's in decay. Jesus says this world is decaying. And he says that we are to be salt in this society. And one of the things that salt did in Jesus' day, there was no refrigeration. There was no, they didn't have freezers. And so things decayed really quickly in the heat. So meat decayed really quickly, fish decayed really quickly. So what they used to do is they used to rub salt into it. They'd soak it in a salt solution. And as they did that, it preserved it. It stopped the decay. 
stop the decaying process. That's why in places like South Africa and Africa, they have things like biltong, which is meat that's been rubbed, has had salt rubbed into it. And so they can, it will last longer. And they can, when they're on, uh, out, on, out in the bush or out on the felt, they, they, they've, got, they've got something they can eat. It's not decayed. It gives them energy. You see, Jesus saying is this world is decaying and we are to be salt that prevent that decay. Slow it down. My stepfather, Gil, when, uh, I just remember, uh, he, he used to gargle with salt. Because he, he said, salt does you good. It, 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 it's, got, it's, got, it's got qualities. It, it, it heals wounds. It does, cleans wounds out. So he used to gargle with salt. I tried it once. Don't do it. Whatever you do, okay. Listerine. Go with Listerine, honestly. But he used to gargle with salt. And, he, and the other thing he used to do, he used to take salt and he used to rub it on his teeth. Honestly, I tried it. Stick with Colgate, honestly. <laughs> stick, stick with Colgate. But it has qualities. It makes a difference. R.V. Tasker says this, that we are to be a moral disinfectant in a world where moral standards are low, constantly changing or are non-existent. How do we do that? Well, it's more than just praying for the sick. We're to be those who forgive to prevent bitterness taking over. Bitterness is like a, it festers. We're to be those who forgive. We're to be those who bring comfort to those in anguish. When people are in anguish, we're to be those who bring salt and rub salt. We, we're the ones who bring comfort. We're to mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. We're to be those who bring purity wherever we go. We're to love people whatever they're like. Forgive offenses. Bring peace. We are being salty when we instill godly values in our, in our children. And whether you're doing it at home or whether you're a teacher in school. When you're instilling godly values, you're rubbing salt in. You're doing good. We can change the culture of our place of work by bringing the salt of the gospel. We should change the atmosphere of the workplace. Do we have that sort of sterilizing effect? When you walk into the room, does some conversation stop? I've been places where, a couple of places where I've worked and, and people have gone, They've gone, Steve, you need to go away now. You don't want to hear this. God, may we be like that. May we have that sort of influence. When we walk in, we, walk in, we are salt and it, it's uncomfortable. And salt has to be, uh, you have to interface with people to do that. You have to make a difference. There's sometimes you have to say, actually, I prefer you didn't say that. I prefer you didn't talk like that. When you talk about Jesus like that, I want to tell you that he's changed my life. We're not to be offensive or annoying or irritating, but we do bring salt, we do make a difference. You see, when you put salt on an open wound, you know all about it. There's a bit of bite to it. We're not to sugar the pill. We're not to just sweeten it. That's not the gospel. The gospel's got a bite to it. 
But actually, it's a preservative. It has an impact. Some people will hate it, but some people will be attracted. In the 1904-05 Welsh Revival, it had a huge impact on the communities. And in the valleys, in places like the Llinvi Valley, the Maesteg Valley, there were stories of, of, of basically the crime rate dropped right down. The levels of drinking dropped right down. Takings from pubs dropped right down. Because something happened in the community as people came to Christ. God worked in them and they made a difference. The community changed. We're to be those who prevent decay. The third thing is this. We're to be those who bring godly perspective. Light reveals things. We talk about things like flashes of inspiration, don't we? I had a flash of inspiration uh, last weekend. I was cutting the hedge. And um, as I'm cutting the hedge, as I'm cutting, cut, cutting the hedge, suddenly there's this flash of light in front of me. Just went like that. I'm like, oh my word. What's going on? Something's gone wrong with the hedge trimmer. Maybe the fuse has gone. So I went to... to Check the fuse, but I'd uh, realized at that moment that I'd cut through the lead. <laughs> that is the third time I've done it. <laughs> and I have to say, Annie's very, she's really gracious, but she said, to, she did say to me, okay, she said, she said, I am so cross with you. <laughs> so cross. She said, that's the third time you've done it. She said, you take, she said, every time you go out there and you do things like that, she said, I, I wonder whether you're going you know, to come back in. <laughs> so I had, a, I had a flash of inspiration, which basically, in the flash of inspiration, is this, that I probably should get someone else to cut my hedges. <laughs> or you can lend me your hedge trimmer if you want to. <laughs> but you might not get it back, or you might get it back in parts. So light exposes what's hidden. You see, Jesus isn't talking about the wisdom of the, this world because Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. He said it after Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates had all been peddling their philosophies. Jesus speaks in and he says, you are the light of the world. You see, you see, the light our world needs isn't going to come from education. It's not going to come from science. Jesus says we're the ones who are to bring it. He said it to unschooled fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners who'd all put their faith in him. So whatever your background, whatever your level of education, wherever you've come from, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's true for you. Jesus' point is that this world is in darkness and it needs light. It's a theme that runs through the Bible. God is light and lives in unapproachable light, we're told in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're living in darkness. This world is in darkness and Jesus broke into this world to reveal the light of God, to reveal what God was really like. And yet, we're told in John that most of us prefer darkness to light. But when we put our trust in Jesus, we become sons of light, John chapter 12, verse 36 tells us. We're to now live as children of light, exhibiting the, the fruit of it, goodness, righteousness, truth, 
And righteousness is not talking about just doing right things. It's knowing that we're righteous. We're right before God. Not because of anything we've done. It's because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We have received righteousness. It's not about us, about us being clever. So it's never out of our own abilities. It's about him in us making a difference. We should have we should have, bring an impact everywhere we go by bringing truth into situations. We need to ask ourselves these sorts of questions. What does the Bible say? Is it true? Would Jesus have done that? Is it kind? Start off with, what, is, what about me? Before we make judgments and call things about other places, what about my own heart? What's, what about me? What, where do I fall in this? Do we, are, we, are we people who just quickly call things about other people and yet we are, 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 are struggling with stuff ourselves and we won't face up to it? Jesus says that's hypocrisy. Do we look at things on our own we wouldn't in company? It's easy to talk and say we shouldn't look at that, but when we're on our own, what do we look at? Do we say things that are easy to say, they roll off the tongue, but are they true? I'll pray for you. Will we? Do we? That person, they're always, are they? Are they always like that? Sometimes we... Sometimes we say things, so just because someone gets something wrong, it doesn't mean they're a failure. Do we carry each other's burdens, as Paul encourages the Galatians, or do we repeat them just for prayer? Are we careful about judging other people? We love to badge people, but we hate being badged ourselves. Our words can be dangerous. James says it's like a, 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 a spark in a, a dry forest in summer. Are we conscious of our weakness, weaknesses? If so, we'll be careful about saying that we're innocent. See, God knows our true motives. You see, if the qualities that Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes Marcus, then we'll exude humility and purity. He says this, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. If we walk in the light, one of the signs is we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Light directs, points us in the right direction. The psalmist says that God's word is a lamp for our feet. Does God's word guide our decision making? We should bring God's wisdom into other people. We can do that. We don't have to quote scripture at people, but the Bible's full of wisdom for this world. Last Sunday, someone was here and Jonathan was preaching. And as he's preaching, God spoke into someone's heart about their work situation and made a difference. It made a difference. I know because they contacted Jonathan and told him afterwards. It made a difference. We're to be those who bring godly perspective. And very quickly, the last thing is this. We're to be those who attract 
others. That's what light does. Light attracts. This is what Philippians chapter 2 says. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the world of life. Light attracts moths to a flame. We're to be like that. Our light is to shine before men, drawing others. God's intention is for us as people to be a light for the nations. You know, people love to be around Jesus. Do people love being around us? How do they feel about us? Do people love coming into church? They should love coming in because the atmosphere is so welcoming and engaging. That's not the welcome team, that's us. We radiate something. We're pleased to see people when they're new. We're not looking for people who are just like us. We're thrilled when people are coming in and they're different. We're to, be able, we're to let our light shine before others. And when we're being attractive, we are pointing people not to ourselves, not to the church, to Jesus. The woman at the well, when she, in John chapter 4, she comes to, she has this encounter with Christ and she runs back to tell people what's happened. Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. She runs back and she mixes. She gets that salt and light into a community. She gets in a community and then it says this, they came out of the town and made their way towards him. We point to Jesus Christ. It's our sole purpose. So as we come into land this morning, salt is to be salty. Light is to shine. And as we do it, we're pointing to people through Jesus. When Angela Kem was with us some months ago, she talked about us having, about bringing salt, being salty, salty, getting like salt on lips. That makes people thirsty, thirsty. People should be thirsty for living water not just a drink of ordinary water. We're not giving them worldly wisdom. They should be thirsty for Jesus. We should make people thirsty for Jesus. When the light of God has shone in our hearts, the light of the gospel shone, shone in our hearts, we shine that out to others. It should point people not to anything other than Jesus Christ. God wants us to make a difference. I'm going to ask the band to come out. They're going to... They're going to sing a song over us as we draw to a close. And then after that, Amy's going to just draw, take us through a, maybe a response or maybe not. We'll see what God does. But this is a moment where we want to be serious with God. God, I want to be salt. I want to make a difference in my life. I want to make a difference in my community. I want to be light. I want to what you've done in me to shine to others and make a difference for them. I see this song is sung over you. I want you to be responding to God in your own heart. Maybe you're today, you're thinking for the first time, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. He can change you on the inside. 
change everything. Be the best thing you ever did. But as they sing over you now, I want you to let these words impact you, but allow what God has said to you today to saturate your heart.